0: Start on demand. demand. Uh, It feels weird to be back in the chair. I haven't been here since December 22nd last year. Happy 2018 to everyone. Thanks for taking some time. I don't know if it's a work day for you or a holiday day. Of course, the kids are out of school until next Monday. You pulling your hair out yet? A little bit too cold for the kids to be playing outside in a lot of cases. Are you ready to send them back to school? Jerry Richardson behind the glass Jerry Happy New Year my friend Happy New Year to you Great to see your uh, lovely smiling face I heard you or noticed that you were working just about every single day over the holidays <laughs> you really put your feet up didn't you
1: Well you know what there's a lot of people who who really didn't want to work or couldn't work so I I stepped up and said you know what I'll do it
0: You're an amazing man you're a good man I love you to pieces I'm not going to complain about the cold anymore, just because, you know what, it's cold. And if I see one more video on my Facebook or my Twitter timeline of people throwing hot water in the air, I may break (laughs) my personal communication device. We get it. We get it. That's right. We get it. Uh, Shadow's got an alternative perspective on this later on this morning. As uh, Winnipeg proved that uh, we are the toughest folks in Canada on New Year's Eve. Over 20,000 people showing up at the Forks on one of the coldest New Year's Eves in in a long time when other cities were canceling their celebrations and shadow's actually standing by with a commentary on something very disturbing out of niverville if you've got a dog if you're a pet owner in that part of the province you'll want to pay attention to this story now there's no way you watched any amount of television without seeing a certain commercial now Jerry please play one of the great songs of my 20s if you wouldn't mind just a little bit of it now this is the extended mix this is the official version of the outfield great song uh, And I, You know, one of my favorite songs, I'm not even clear on the title, I Don't Want to Lose Your Love Tonight. Just Your Love. Just Your Love. That's one of the lyrics is I Don't Want to Lose Your Love. Right? Catchy riff. Everybody knows it. You may not even know who performed it. You're like, yeah, I love that song. You know, they throw it on at the bar every once in a while and be... My like, yeah, this I is a good song. I got to gotta nice. dance. It's my jam. We didn't say that back then, by the way. way. Back <S laughs> in the 90s. That's my jam. We did not say that. Now, <laughs> there's no way, that, like I say, if you watched any amount of television over the holidays, that you missed this commercial.
1: Harry's meeting clients from far away. But they only see his wrinkles. He's got to play it cool to save the deal. Better find a way to smooth things over. If only Harry me some bounce to drive.
0: If he'd only use some bounce to yeah. drive, are you kidding
1: me? He would be less wrinkly and this is brilliant.
0: At it's blasphemy for me!
1: It's brilliant! You've gotta be kidding me! No, it is so ridiculous that they came up with those lyrics to that song and 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 just married those two ideas together. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I mean who would have thought of that? Well, someone did, and probably got paid handsomely to do so. And I hope hope that
0: the oatfield got paid handsomely for that oh, as I'm, well.
1: I'm sure they did. If if uh, it was the members of the oatfield who actually wrote that song, <laughs> yeah, good, really good point. <laughs> All right, so we need to know from you
0: seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Have you seen that commercial? Otherwise, there's no reason for you to text message. Although you have heard it now, blasphemy or brilliance by bounce. See the alliteration there? 204-780-6868 or shoot me an email. GMAC at CGOB.com. Brett McGarry, by the way, taking a very well-deserved day off. He was working uh, through the heart of the holidays as well. And uh, Brett will be back tomorrow. So things should be mostly back to usual here on 680 CGOB tomorrow. Mackling McGarry in the morning. It's a Shadow Davis show. No Brett McGarry this morning. He'll be back tomorrow. Things back to normal. Quote unquote, around here at 680 CJOB uh, on Wednesday. Disturbing story out of Niverville, just south of the city of Winnipeg. A dog was shot with a pellet gun. This is a story that caught my attention on Global News. It caught Shadow Davis's attention as well. And the dog, thankfully, is doing okay. Here's Shadow.
2: Good morning and Happy New Year! So how'd you spend the New Year's long weekend? Were you partying? Were you one of the brave 22,000 at the Forks on New Year's Eve? Well, I'll admit, I was not. Too cold. (laughs) Too cold to do much of anything outside. So we stayed inside, watched some movies, and one of them happened to be A Dog's Purpose. Have you seen this movie? When Lisa said, hey, let's watch that one, I just groaned because I knew it was going to be a two-hour tear fest. But she insisted, and so what are you going to do? On goes the movie, out comes the Kleenex. Dogs are the best, right? So why then would somebody shoot a dog with a pellet gun? This actually happened last week in Niverville. On Friday morning, Erin Thomas noticed something in her dog's paw. She says, I was cleaning his paws and I noticed a piece of something in his leg. Is that metal? What's that doing there? I used my tweezers and it was from a pellet gun, a pellet from a pellet gun. She says she remembers her dog, Tanner. Barking excessively outside on Thursday, but didn't think anything of it. Okay, we'll come back to that in just a second. Thomas, who lives right off Main Street in Niverville, is concerned an incident like this took place so close to town. She says there's a playhouse in her backyard the dog likes to sit on. She figures this is where Tanner the dog was when it happened as the playhouse rises several feet over her backyard fence. Her immediate reaction was to let others in the area know about what happened, so she took a photo and posted it on social media. She also reported the incident to the RCMP. A trip to the vet resulted in one stitch for Tanner, a four-year-old Bernese Mountain dog and Border Collie Cross, and he is as energetic as ever. Cute dog. You can see a picture of him on Global.ca. But this incident has her keeping her eye out at all times. She says, I'm still in shock and very angered and frustrated. Someone in town shooting a pellet gun scares me beyond belief. And with the way the pellet was positioned, it was no ricochet. This was a straight shot. Not to mention a pellet gun doesn't have the power to be a long distance mistake. This was fairly close range. What we don't have here is the whole story. First, why would somebody shoot a dog? Let me point out that I am not condoning this action not one bit. However, with no other reports of dogs being shot in the area, at least not yet, you'd have to think this was done intentionally, possibly, to make a point. Going back to the line in the story where the dog was barking excessively and Aaron, the owner, not thinking anything of it. Does this happen often? Does Tanner bark excessively day and night? If so, there might be some very upset neighbors around, and again, there is no reason ever to shoot a dog. But I've seen some instances and lived through them myself in trying to reason with owners of dogs that bark constantly at all hours. And sometimes these owners will actually roll their eyes and do nothing like they don't believe you. They don't believe my dog could be doing this. So could this have been somebody who'd had enough? I'm not accusing here. I'm just wondering. But there are ways to deal with this and the first thing might be oh I don't know just spitballing here how about nicely speaking with your neighbor about it and if that doesn't work the first time try again and again and if it doesn't work ever you go ahead and file a formal noise complaint but you don't ever shoot the dog with a pellet gun or anything else and again we don't have the whole story here. Not just yet. It could have been some drunken kids. It could have been some neighborhood hooligans. Who knows? Just happy the dog is safe and sound. And if you haven't seen A Dog's Purpose yet, check it out. Especially if you live in Niverville and happen to own a pellet gun. Back to GMAC.
0: Thank you, Shadow. I lived through this myself with a cat. and I I confess that With this cat, we weren't particularly responsible cat owners once upon a time, but one of our neighbors took his hatred of the feline to a whole new level and uh, poisoned our cat. Once upon a time, this is about 30 years ago now, devastating to our family. You look back at it and you go... Yeah, we could have done things differently, but we knew this person. We lived several doors away, had social interaction with these people. But I think for whatever reason, we're uncomfortable confronting our neighbors about things that bother us. Passive aggressive? Yeah, that might be something that we're capable of doing. Leaving a note might be better. Anonymous, but uh, taking the law into your own hands and your frustration, breaking out the pellet gun or the poison, uh, that crosses the line. Greg Mackling here along with Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, Chanelie, Vidal, and of course, behind the glass, uh, Jerry. And a reminder, I this had slipped my mind completely. Kelly, you're organized. You probably know this. But I didn't realize. I knew last week that the garbage days were getting shifted down one so that the, the garbage and recycling collectors could have a day off. Well, it was a day off yesterday. So right. if uh, you're normally on Monday, you're going to be getting collection today, Tuesday, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: And then I guess they'll be working Saturday is what will be happening. I guess. Yeah. And then and then it go, goes back to your normal schedule Next the following week. week. Yeah. Okay. So thank yeah.
0: you. I think it was Chris, one of our listeners uh, that pointed that out to us. So thank you very much. Uh, lady, gentlemen, great to see you for the first time in 2018. Uh, New Year's resolutions. We won't bore people with the resolutions.
3: I'm just going to break them anyway.
0: Exactly. I think I've already broken three that I made on the 31st. Ah. But, Shanley, what are you looking forward to in 2018? Because I saw a couple of your Facebook posts, not to out you, you maybe not be going this way, but I know you've got lots of things, one big thing in particular you're looking forward to in 2018, a big trip perhaps. What else are you looking forward to?
4: Um, I don't know. Not... <laughs> Uh, there you know not much going on like the like the big trip you mentioned that's probably like the the biggest thing on the radar for me right now going to England for the Women's Roller Derby World Cup in uh, late January, early February. Mm-hmm. Manchester, never been to Europe before and this is, the whole planning of it is an adventure and uh, figuring things out, transit and oh, it doesn't do this and that. And just, just It's it's so confusing and converting things into pounds but it's going to be a great experience because I went to the Roller Derby World Cup a couple of years ago in Dallas and so yeah, and this year it's going to be in the United Kingdom and it's Fantastic. 40 countries participating. It's a uh, Big worldwide event, and all—it's all, just, and it's kind of also a reunion with a lot of people that I met at the previous World Cup, and working with those great officials. And it's also probably going to be my my big retirement send off as well, because I'm probably going to be seriously considering uh, retiring from oh uh, roller derby officiating after this. Well, the head what? head's banner in your honor in uh, some roller <laughs> derby arena somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know
3: okay well the shadowy vidal golden skate award goes to yeah i think that's well that's
0: exciting on two fronts yeah. right yeah. uh, demarcation of of uh, significant things in
3: your life something that's been special you'll love manchester by the way I, i've been there it is i hope a so well, i'm excited
4: because that's where mm-hmm. i believe that's where uh, morrissey is from so i'm excited about that the who M- morrissey the singer
0: Oh, oh. I thought it was like yeah, just Morrissey was born in Calgary. What are it's you talking about? He's grave
5: there or something. No, he's still
4: alive. And I told my boyfriend, "Well, we're gonna let's go check out, uh, go a day early and check out where Morrissey, you know, hung out." And he's like, "No, we're we're not doing that." So. Go stock
0: Morrissey. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but. uh Glad that we have someone in the. I in would the be happy to enough. introduce you. Please send me a playlist. Behind the glass, Jerry. Uh, are you looking forward to working less hours, perhaps in 2018? No. Okay. If, if you're not
1: working, you're not living. Oh my <laughs> word!
0: What are you looking forward to then?
1: Uh, actually, this year uh, is quite a milestone for Superman. Uh, Action Comics you number. Have to find a way. Action Comics number 1,000 yes. is coming out this year. Okay. And there's never been a comic book that's gone 1,000 issues before.
0: All right. That is a big deal.
1: Yeah. And so Action Comics came out in 1938. So it's going to be the 80th anniversary of Superman. And yeah, they had 1,000. And Richard Donner, actually the director, Richard Donner, is writing the story for the 1,000th uh edition of uh, Action Comics.
0: When do we expect this comic book? To in March. Get the, in March, okay. That's Not only that going to cost
3: $1,000. <laughs> 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 Why do you think Jerry works all this overtime, Kelly? <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: What are you looking up, looking forward to in 2018, Kelly?
3: Very early in the year, uh, shortly after Shanelie gets back from her excursion to Manchester, we'll be heading down to Mexico. So looking forward to that. And ooh,
6: ooh, nice. normally
3: we have made many a trip out to British Columbia, but this year we're going to have uh, uh, some time at home. So looking forward to doing a little traveling around Manitoba in the summertime too. Uh, uh, gonna book some long weekends for uh, for part of the holidays. So yeah. I think the, I
0: think a lot of the time are things that we're looking forward to preclude involve, and include travel, travel, right? Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So. And there's
4: so much there's so many good things to see in Manitoba, like yes, just, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we've been doing our best to try and highlight those things, uh, you know, over the last couple of years on, on our station. I, I think we yeah. underestimate the incredible places there are to visit in it's our province. It's
3: been a long time since we went up to Clear Lake. It's mm. been an even longer time since we went up to Hecla Island. So there you go. Those are a couple of the places we're looking at. And terrific. And if you've yeah. never
4: been to Narcisse to see the snakes, definitely have to put that on your list. Yeah, go
0: by yourself. I'm not coming with you. I
3: don't want see with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Jeff nor I will be going to Narcisse anymore. No. No, I don't soon. think so. A, a
5: picture of a snake is enough for yeah, me. So. I, I don't have any travel plans, I don't think. I honestly haven't really thought beyond lunch today. <laughs> which will feature some Little Caesars, but a uh, big box set coming. <clears throat> um, I think, you know, in July there's a movie coming out. It's called uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. It's a sequel to the smash Up yeah. Mamma Mia. I'm looking forward to that, weirdly enough. I I could have listed a,
0: <laughs> a thousand things and not come up with I that have one. No idea. They made a sequel. Yeah. I just yeah.
5: like Abba. That's all there's. To. Yeah, well, they who made doesn't a sequel. like
0: Abba? I mean, that is, seriously, that's uh, that's really
5: on your list of things you're looking forward I to. I don't this know. Year? I only hadn't thought about it until two seconds before we went on the air. Oh, well, that's high. I don't, die. Die. I don't we think it in the meeting at five thirty. Yeah, I don't so think could... that far into the future. I'm I'm looking forward to warming up whenever that may happen. Yeah, are you tired? of, Like I'm already sick of winter. Yeah,
0: I, I'm sick of winter as well. But I'm also tired of the videos on Twitter and Facebook of people throwing the hot water into the air. Like I mean, like we get it, right? It's cold. <laughs> let's move on. Scroll through Let's it. just Scroll you know, let's it. just 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 yeah. wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah. You know. This is something that uh, we deal with every year, but it has felt a little oppressive over the holidays right? when you can't get yeah. out during the holidays, we went up to Victoria Beach and to uh, Leicester Beach to our friends' cottage. We had a great couple of days. One of our friends, their toilet froze. So, you know, that's the joy of winter cottaging. But we were up at Victoria Beach. We went in a family curling bond spiel on uh, on New Year's Eve. It was fantastic. They've got a beautiful three-sheet facility up in Victoria Beach. It's been open for three years. It's absolutely gorgeous. Great way to spend the entire day. There were, I think, six Teens in this Bond spiel. My um, one of my boys was skipping because yeah. I couldn't hit a rock. But no matter where he held the broom, he had to, you know, school me on the in turn and the out turn. Just when you think you know, right? And uh, well, uh, let's put it this way: I was very humbled on New Year's Eve. Uh, how, how did the boys do? <laughs> they did great. We did yeah. terribly. Well, uh, there you but go. we did. We won one. We tied one. And we lost one. They,
3: they probably weren't having a few uh, little antifreeze. What are you uh, suggesting? Kelly? Uh, I'm thinking that you might have seen two brooms <laughs> by the fifth end. No, no, no,
0: nothing <laughs> like that. Nothing like that. Hey, did you guys hear about this before we go? Passengers on time traveling flight rang in the new year twice. Did you hear this story? Nope. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Back to the future. Real, just maybe not the way our 80s selves imagined that it would be. Um, On New Year's Eve, Hawaiian Airlines flight HA 446 took off in Auckland, New Zealand in 2018 and arrived in Honolulu, Hawaii in. 2017, proving that time travel is real, sort of. The flight technically left Auckland at 12.05 a.m. on January 1st before arriving in Honolulu at 9.45 a.m. December 31st, having crossed multiple time zones. The flight was originally supposed to leave 10 minutes earlier in 2017, but delays pushed it back forward to 2018. Auckland is
5: 23 hours ahead of... Honolulu. So they're sitting on the tarmac when the year changed. At least that's good. At least they got to redo it again in Hawaii. got
0: to to do the retake all over.
5: (laughs) I had the thing where I was at a friend's party out of town on New Year's Eve, and I got home, and I was taking off my shoes, and I get a text saying, Happy New Year. I was like, oh. It Did just you, changed while I was while well, you were taking out shoes. Out. I just got home. Yeah,
3: we need somebody needs. He was to, really tying one off. <laughs> or
5: off. Tying one off, He's
3: tying one off.
0: We really need a special for the Central Time Zone. The t- Central Time
3: Zone gets massively screwed when it comes to New Year's <laughs> well, Eve. Well, then we need more people because that's. That's where you'll get great equality, is if you can match the Pacific and the Eastern time zones in terms of You've eyeballs. got
0: Winnipeg, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Dallas. Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans. Somebody needs to take the bull by the Where's horns. Where's Mexico
5: City? How, how close in the middle is I don't that? know. I to City check would check be central. Is it I'm central? Pretty, I'm pretty See, sure it is, we yeah. need to yeah. work
0: on that, Jerry. We need to, we I'll need, get on it. We, yeah. can, we need to host I'll a make big some calls celebration. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, did anybody see
4: Seacrest? Uh, no, no. Yeah. I was in bed at 10 to 12. <laughs> yeah. 10, <laughs>
7: 10 to 12. You just, to 12. just didn't stay Spent up the night playing, 10 minutes? Uh, playing
4: video games with my boyfriend and my mom. My mom was watching. She was getting all excited with, when we got the uh, gold coins because she, she was thinking it's like real money. And then, yeah, we all went to bed. What gold coins are you talking? In uh, in uh, I got the Nintendo Switch, so I was playing uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, so he collects the gold coins.
3: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> we were down on the forest. It was actually a pretty good turnout. Uh, I heard like twenty two uh, thousand yeah, people. Yeah, we weren't there at midnight. We were there oh, for, for the nine early o'clock one, show, and, and the eight o'clock. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. fantastic. Yep.
0: Yeah. I said, I, I said to my friends, "Can we just celebrate the New York one and call it a night <laughs> at 11? I got outvoted. <laughs> It is time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And this morning we're going to have a chat with Winnipeg Blue Bombers General Manager Kyle Walters. And Kyle, it has been uh, anything but a holiday for you since the end of the season. You've been all over it signing uh, pending free agents left, right and center. It's it's actually quite heartwarming if I can take the view of a Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, fan point of view.
8: Uh, yeah, it's been real busy from my standpoint. First of all, good morning. Um, yeah, busy, busy, busy time of year. Once the season ends, you start to start looking at your cap space and start figuring out who you, uh, uh, who you can figure out? It's like a piece, like a puzzle. You, you look at the salaries and who you can get back, and how much money you have, and uh, and even guys like uh, like Stanley and and uh, and Justin Medlock. We, we've agreed to terms that you know you still aren't start negotiating if you don't have space uh, in the 2017 cap space. Uh, you, you can. Uh, at least start working towards getting guys agreed to 2018. So it's been a it's been a real busy month and a half, but a productive one for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Kyle, and uh, happy New Year to you as well. Yes, Stanley yes. Bryant, Weston Dressler, uh, Manasi Faketi, also Justin Medlock, uh, the latest to extend with the Blue Bombers, Drake Nevis, and before that, Patrick Newfeld, Jamarcus Hardrick, Timothy Flanders, and Derek Jones. And except for Jones and and Nevis, most of the players have been on the offensive side of the ball. Does that mean uh, you're going to take a walk uh, down the hall and <laughs> talk to the defensive players, or how does how does that work now, Kyle?
8: Well, it's just a it. it there's a there's a priority, I guess, and as soon as the season ended, um, we knew um, we knew organizationally keeping that offensive line intact. Uh, you saw the growth of Matt Nichols this year. Um, you know when the offensive guys were healthy and 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 roll, and we were we were really effective out there putting points up and uh, I think for you know any any football team keep keeping your offensive line together uh, keeping continuity with that group was our top priority so that's that's that was the first the first focal point for us of you know getting getting um, Fulchetti and Andrew Marcus and Patty Newfield and Stanley. So four, you know, for the offensive linemen were, were names that we mentioned that we got back and, and, uh, Weston, Weston very well respected leader in that locker room and, and, and teaches the young guys. And, uh, he does so much for the, for the team and the organization besides all the productivity he has in the field. So, you know, you know, we, we started there and, and, you know, it's every every everybody wants their piece of the pie, and everybody wants their money, and and it's just a matter of uh, now now you start you start talking to the agents, and you start having to make some real difficult decisions, and and you you know it's 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 a prioritizing i guess organizationally what what needs to get taken care of first and that's not to say that the defensive guys aren't on the list now it's uh now we start shifting to that side of the ball and see if we can bring the guys back that 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 we want back and and see where we stand with all the free agents on that side because as I said it's in today's CFL with one year contracts every year there's going to be you know there's going to be 20 to 25 on every team free agents every single year
0: yeah, maybe for those uh, to the uninitiated, Kyle, maybe you could outline that quickly if you don't mind, with regards to that change in the one-year contract, which was something that essentially never existed before. Correct?
8: Yeah, well, yeah, correct. And then when the new CBA came came uh, came into play, uh, maybe three years ago, um, there used to be a minimum of a two-year contract that players would have to sign, whether they're first-year players or veteran players. Um, now, uh, part of that agreement was the uh, the addition or the option for veteran players to have one year contracts so players still coming up to the CFL are, are mandated for two year contracts like your, your your young guys that come up that you see for the first time but uh, any any veteran player um can sign a one year contract and and that's that seems to be uh the the choice for agents and and everybody's pushing for these one year contracts especially for this year uh where where the CBA is up after this season as well, so I think um, agents and players are, are are hoping that there's another increase in salary cap, and you know you combine all you combine those two, and, and generally it's it's one year contracts or or what everybody wants now, which is a uh, uh, it makes for interesting off seasons every single year.
0: Now, we mentioned the defensive side of the ball. Kevin Fogg, TJ Heath, Maurice Leggett, and Chris Randall remain unsigned, uh, along with several others, including uh, Canadians or nationals, as we call them now, Jake Thomas and Jamal Westerman. So clearly, uh, the next five weeks are going to be busy regardless. Uh, Kyle, how do you how do you approach uh, the next several weeks and balance it out with some of the scouting that your scouts are doing? And I imagine you'll be busy traveling uh, to see some different camps and some all-star games. Games and of course the bowl games uh, have just really uh, heated up as the NCAA playoffs uh, over the weekend. Did you watch a lot of the film and TV over the weekend yourself?
8: Yeah, you know the the other big one now is the draft. You know the, the reality of, of from the calendar standpoint is is early March, mid March is when all these uh, combines for the Canadian kids get going, uh, and that sneaks up on you real quick. And there's so many players to evaluate and look through that that um you know, spend a lot of time right now sort of getting our draft prep organized. Um man, it's exciting this year the draft with the CFL uh week in Winnipeg this week in in uh, in March. So it'll be great for it'll be great for all the fans um to see all these draft kids and to see the process, see the combines. But that's a that is a ton a ton of work to to start sifting through you know, every draft eligible Canadian player and start watching the film on those guys and start putting your grades together. So that's a big piece. And then, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're negless guys and you're scouting. That's, you know, you talk about the bowl games. Most of the, most of the negless players on, uh, that play in the current bowl games are, are your quarterbacks as a general rule throughout the CFL that um, generally the Neglist or the guys that you expect to see appear from positional players have been to NFL camps or they've been out uh, for a couple years trying trying that route so we see them in NFL camps, we'll see them at combines, um, you know, make sure that they're still in shape and they look like the guys that we saw, you know, maybe a year or two ago when we saw them at um, NFL camps uh, keep an eye on the quarterback, so with says that it's you know, meeting with the scouting department, uh, you know, on a weekly basis to make sure we're all on the same page and, and you try to, you know, you try to piece it all together with the, with the necklace guys and, and who you think might be able to come up and fill a hole and, uh, go back and, and start looking at your free agents and see, you know, everybody wants more money and everybody, um, you know, you start dealing with these agents and it's impossible. Uh, it's impossible to get everybody everything they want. So you have to make some tough decisions. And that's where uh, your scouting department can alleviate some of the concerns that if we if we believe we've got a position player or two uh, that can come in and compete um, at a certain price point, then, then, then the reality is you might have to move on from one of the veteran players who who financially just can't fit into what you're trying to do.
0: It's the off-season in name only for General Manager Kyle Walters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Kind enough to make some time for us this morning. Thanks, Kyle, and uh, good luck and enjoy the uh, GM meetings in Banff uh, coming up uh, later next week.
8: Oh, great. Thank you very much. Have a good
0: morning. You too. We appreciate your time. Kyle Walters joining us on Breakfast with the Bombers, once again brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you... Early in the program, we were talking about the things that you're looking forward to in 2018. One of our listeners sent in a resolution said that Manitoba and all Manitobans should resolve to not complain about the winter weather. It's cold here. We get it. Get over it. Friendly Manitoba. Maybe it's whiny Manitoba. We do like to whine and complain about certain things. Greg Mackling here with you on this Tuesday morning. Brett McGarry will be back tomorrow. Shadow Davis is standing by. And yes, it is extremely cold. And looking at the long-term forecast, we're going to get somewhat of a break over the next several days into Saturday. Talking about minus 11 as a break. I guess that's the reality. That is January in Manitoba. Uh, Not every year, but certainly this year. It's extremely cold, but it's kind of our thing. We are, after all, hardy Winnipeggers. And here's Shadow with his take on that. And I think he's throwing a little shade at some of the other communities that wound down and didn't even celebrate New Year's Eve the way they were planning to.
2: Good morning and happy 2018 to you. New Year's Eve celebrations in Edmonton canceled too cold. Calgary canceled too cold. Ottawa canceled too cold. Toronto, well, you you know what happened in Toronto, come on. They called out the army for snow. Well, they still had their fireworks in all those cities, but that was it, no big party. And people were encouraged to watch the fireworks online. City officials in all those cities said it was a matter of public safety.
6: <laughs> <sighs>
2: so which city still partied outside? Well, the list is small, Montreal, and only because the city is celebrating its 375th birthday and spent a lot of money. Quebec City officials there said people are used to the cold and they wouldn't cancel anything. And Winnipeg. And yes, we complain vociferously about the cold. We're forced to endure with other Winnipeggers. But when we're on a national stage and everybody's watching, we embrace it. We tout it. We wear it like a badge of honor. At the Forks, there were two sets of fireworks New Year's Eve, one at eight for young families, and then the big one at midnight. There was also a dance party by the big stage, artists painting on a big snow canvas, people out skating and playing hockey on the river. Of course, the market building was open so people could go warm up in there, and they would, but after a few minutes, they'd head right back out again. 22,000 people, down from 30,000 last year because of the cold, but still 22,000 people showed up at the Forks on New Year's Eve. Crazy, right? This is not to say Winnipeggers are somehow superhuman and immune to the cold, but we manage somehow to get through it better than other cities. And I don't know why. Other cities get cold. All the cities I mentioned at the beginning of this segment get cold. So what is it about Winnipeg? Well, personally, I don't see much of a difference if Winnipeg is minus 30 with a wind chill that makes it feel like minus 40 versus Oh, let's say Edmonton being only minus 29 with a minus 37 wind chill. When it gets below a certain number, it becomes unbearable. Minus 30, minus 32, what's the difference? Is it because we endure longer cold snaps than everybody else? And this is true to some extent. When we get cold, it tends to stay that way for at least a couple of weeks, whereas other cities get it for a couple of days before it warms up back to acceptable, less bone-chilling temperatures. Now listen to this. This is very cool. In a speech to the Chamber of Commerce nearly seven years ago, Jets owner Mark Chipman said Winnipeg exists simply because of a collective act of will of its people to make it so. I don't know if he heard that someplace or came up with it himself, but it certainly rings true, doesn't it? Makes you feel proud. So inwardly, does it make you feel better? That we adapt to the cold better than any other place in Canada? That every other city in Canada is put to shame by us? That we are the kings and queens of cold? We are the sultans of sub-zero? Oh, hell no! Well, how about outwardly, then? <laughs> when we hear a comment about how hearty we Winnipeggers are on a national hockey broadcast, does that make you... No! No! Oh. no! All right, remember this, then. It's only five more months until summer, so. By the way, today we'll have normal temperatures before heading back into the deep freeze again, so use today wisely. <laughs> back to Greg Mackling.
0: Thank you, Shadow Davis. It was actually beautiful to see the sun yesterday, minus 22 or so. It was a gorgeous afternoon to be outside, no matter um, what shape you might have been in from reveling the evening before, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that was decidedly different between New Year's Eve 2017 and 2016. 2016, we were outside for about nine hours because it was barely below zero. We had a bonfire going. And I confess we stayed inside, but we didn't complain about the cold. We embraced it. We went out to the lake. We had a great time. It was a wonderful way to celebrate. And I just think plain and simply, we're just tougher. Than everybody else in Canada, because the only alternative, Jerry, really is that we're stupider. And I don't think that's the case. We do do some things kind of backwards here from time to times, but I don't think that's the reason that we are out in the cold more successfully than the rest of the country.
1: I think we're just resigned to the fact that we know it's going to be cold. We're resilient. Get on with it. Just go with the flow. This is the way things are. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. One, two, three.
0: That music means it's time for Three Things with Chanelie Vidal. And it's the first one of 2018. And today, ironically or appropriately, however you want to look at it, we'll be talking... About three things coming into effect this year. Look at you, you're right on top of it, Shanely. I'm, I'm
4: trying to. That that could be a New Year's resolution.
0: To be on top of things? <laughs> to be a
4: little bit more on top of things. <laughs> I love it.
0: Happy New Year, by the way, Shanely. <laughs> Thank
4: you. Happy New Year, Greg. Nice to see you back.
0: Thank you. It's nice to be back, ironically enough. It's
4: good to be back on a schedule.
0: Yeah. yeah. We'll, well, I'll talk to you about that, say, Thursday or Friday, see how I'm feeling <laughs> about it. There was one day during uh, my time off where I actually stayed in bed... I'm going to admit this, until one o'clock in the afternoon, it was absolutely... Fantastic.
4: Well, you know, I can I can understand that because when you're off, the days just kind of smush together and you have no idea what day it is or what time it is.
0: There were several days I blissfully was unaware of what day <laughs> of the week it was. So what have we got uh, so, cooking? What's happening well, and things that are going to be coming up this well, year? Well,
4: for our first one, you might have seen or heard these ads lately.
1: Think you're a better driver when you're high? Think again. Mm-hmm. If you smoked weed, Wait at least four hours before getting behind the wheel. Or don't drive at all if you're new to it, have eaten it, or if you've mixed it with alcohol.
4: And I think they've been playing for a couple of months, but I actually only really noticed it this past weekend. <laughs> and thinking, yeah, they're, they're running those ads because... Pot is going to be legalized this coming summer.
0: Yeah. And of course, they've got the ones that are kind of the interactive, the play on going through the drive-through and uh, not really being able to order. So yes, these are going to become commonplace.
4: Yeah. And uh, so of course, here in Manitoba, 19 is going to be the legal age Mm -hmm. to buy pot. Manitobans won't be able to grow marijuana at home without a medical Mm. license. And uh, however, municipalities will have the final say on whether or not to allow the sale of marijuana. And uh, the RM of Gimli has passed a resolution to say no to uh, to retail cannabis stores, for at least for right now. Basically, they might have a vote down the road, but uh, they felt it was a little too soon to, to, to make that decision. And Winkler
0: has not held a vote, yes. even though they, they uh, legally should have had one. They've said, no, we're not ready to do it, so we're not going to vote on this. And uh, at midnight... Or 12.01 a.m. on New Year's Day, uh, recreational marijuana use became legal in California. That's right. some of those pictures are pretty fascinating to see the video coming out of California and the people that were lined up to to get things without having to head down to their uh, local dealer. So this is uh, something coming to Canada. We don't know the exact date yet, though.
4: No, we just know it now. It's going to be this summer. anyway. It's going to be this year.
0: I don't know where the Prime Minister gets off suggesting that we had no reason to be using July 1st as the yeah. date because that was the date everybody that's, was using yeah. in his government. But anyway, we digress. So, uh, what's happening in March this year?
4: Well, yes, yeah, something we do know a date for, an exact date, March 1st of this year. For sure? March 1st? For, well, for sure March 1st, you could get have another option for how to get around because that's when the Manitoba Taxi Board is going to be dissolved and Bill 30 is going to give the boards of authority to local municipalities which could develop bylaws to allow for ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft. Now, there's been so much debate on this this conversation like from both sides. The taxi industry saying uh they're they're urging Mayor Bowman to impose identical safety measures in both ride-sharing cars and for taxis. Meanwhile, Uber says it's drivers undergo annual criminal background checks as well as vehicle inspections and motor vehicle reference checks. So, I think, but the thing is, we don't know what it's going to be like until we actually have that here, until it actually happens.
0: Yeah, well, that just feels as though, once again, we're trying to reinvent the wheel when this has been implemented in multiple dozens, if not hundreds of communities around the world. But uh, I digress on that. Uh, I just think we overcomplicate things that have been done elsewhere. <laughs> it's one thing when you're doing something for the very first time somewhere on the planet, but you know what? I think we're just, you know, let's just get to March 1st. Just,
4: it's just gonna let's roll Let's just see what out. happens. And you know what the thing is, like, I actually took a cab to work this morning because mm-hmm. my uh, vehicle is little unhappy. A little with, kaput a today. little kaput with the cold weather and I'll probably be taking uh, cabs for the rest sure. of the week. And i they say it was a lovely experience. I had a lovely chat with my cab driver and the thing is I am. Uh,
0: some amazing operators, some amazing yeah, drivers out love, there. I think
4: that's, that was probably one of the best things about taking a cab is having, having a chat and getting to know the person who is driving the cab.
0: Uh-huh. Now, uh, this kind of has snuck up on me over the last few weeks. We had Mayor Bowman mm-hmm. on the air to close out the year, but yeah. You're going to remind us that we are kind of in the home stretch here.
4: We are. You know, I can't believe it's been like more than three years since Mayor Bowman's been elected. Right. Like October of 2014.
0: You can do the math way better than I can. I'll take your word <laughs> so, for so it. So that
4: means this coming October, we're going to be having another civic election.
0: So there we go. And
4: so Mayor Bowman is actually, he he's on the fence right now as to whether or not he's going to run. Well, he's, he's publicly on the publicly fence. Publicly on the fence. He, you know, he hasn't actually told us whether or not you know I mean that's that's a big deal whether or not to run for a second term it is a very big commitment you know I mean if he were to get in and so he needs to have that chat with his with his family and and figure it out if he wants to possibly take on that role again
0: if you're a betting person do you think he's running again
4: I think he would
0: Jerry, I see you nodding in an affirmation. Oh, yeah. He'll run again. Yeah, he, I think so. Yeah, he's running
4: again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's just a prediction on our part. Thanks, Shannon Great to see you. Thanks for this. We'll see you tomorrow morning again after the 8 o'clock Global News with Jeff Braun. Of course, Canada-USA played each other in Buffalo outdoors in the snow for the first ever World Junior Hockey Championship game outdoors. October 2016... We had the Heritage Classic here in Winnipeg, one of my favorite memories of 2016, although the game, the regular season game between the Oilers and the Jets didn't go the way Jets fans would want it to go, the Oilers winning 3-0, and of course that game was delayed by well over an hour because of all things sunshine. Who knew it might be sunny in Winnipeg in October? Anyway, but we digress. And yesterday, the 10th annual Heritage or pardon me, Winter Classic on New Year's Day, this 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 is an annual rite of passage for the National Hockey League to play an outdoor game on New Year's Day. But is it time for these outdoor games to go the way of the dodo bird? Here's Shadow Davis with his thoughts.
2: Good morning. I'm a traditionalist about a lot of things, but not bad ones, not bad traditions. And I think this winter classic the NHL puts on every year has become, well, a bad tradition. Now, if we go back to the first Heritage Classic at 03 in Edmonton, well, that was an interesting and novel idea. A couple of NHL clubs, the Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens, would actually play a regular season game on outdoor ice in front of over 50,000 people. And the entire weekend was a celebration, too, with alumni players from both teams playing a game the day before. Hey, remember, we had one of those in Winnipeg about a year and a half ago? Stadium was sold out. It was magnificent. It was also in October just imagine if they'd schedule that during weather like we've had the last week or so. <laughs> they'd have had to cancel the whole thing altogether. But they had the foresight to put it in October, so we had a good time with that. Getting back to the original point, the Heritage Classic or the Winter Classic is a bad tradition. It works in Canadian cities because that's how we grew up in Canada. We played hockey on outdoor ice rinks, but even that's changed in the past few years. Never mind what it must be like to watch this kind of thing in Florida or California or Nashville, a place like that. But back up here in Canada, yeah, kids still do play outside, but for the most part, league games, even community club teams, they're playing indoors these days. You get practices on outdoor ice in the occasional tournament, but let's face it, they play indoors. It's better indoors. The ice is far better, meaning a better game and far more safety for the players. Those ice ruts on outdoor ice can be brutal. The temperature is better for the players, the coaches, the refs, the spectators. There's no chance of a blizzard moving in. Hello, world juniors. And what the hell was that anyway? And no sun glare or shadows on the ice. If you tried to watch that game in New York yesterday, you might have gotten a headache trying to follow the puck. Because one second the players were out in the sun, the next they vanished into the shadows. I thought they might bring the glowing puck back. For the third period. So if it was incredibly difficult to follow on TV, how did the players feel trying to track the puck at the same time knowing they might be getting lined up for a huge hit? And what about those goalies? They couldn't see the puck. No, I wasn't screened. I just couldn't see the puck. I think Lenquist let in that second goal simply because he couldn't see the shot coming from the point. He wasn't screened. He just couldn't see the shot. It was too dark. The players did all say the right things after the game about it being a throwback and how they were excited, but do you think the league had anything at all to do with that? So yes, I am a traditionalist about hockey, fully understanding the roots of our game come from the frozen ponds and ice rinks of days gone by, but I also grew up understanding that when we got old enough, and good enough, our game would move indoors, where we didn't have to worry about frozen toes, windburnt cheeks. And having to use those massive four-person scrapers to clean the snow off the ice between periods. It's nice to have those memories, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to the NHL and two points being on the line, I'd rather keep the memories. After all, they have this massive arena sitting there, doing nothing. Back to Greg Mackling.
0: Hmm. I like the outdoor games. They uh, can be a a little bit uh, of a debacle, potentially. But I have to say, I know a lot of people were down on that game in Buffalo on Friday between Canada and the U.S. Wasn't fair to the players, I agree. But you know what? Same conditions for both sides. We had this discussion with regard to the Grey Cup in Ottawa. Should we move up the CFL schedule a couple of weeks to avoid that? I don't know. I think for novelty, every once in a while, it's not going to kill you. Same conditions, as I said, for both sides. Does it help the game? As long as it's helping the game and not making it a laughingstock, I think it's worthwhile continuing. And maybe Shadow's right. It may be at a tipping point where it's not doing the league, the NHL, good at maybe making them look foolish by perpetuating these things. What's your take on it? GMAC at cgob.com. Always love to hear from you via the email machine. I just want to be able to get down or pop or crouch and throw a curling rock without embarrassing myself. (laughs) Good morning Catherine McKenzie. Good morning. Great to see you. Happy New Year to you.
7: To you as well.
0: Catherine is owner of Surefire Fitness. You can check her out online on Facebook. Uh, Sure firefitness.ca on uh, Instagram at surefirefitness. Twitter, guess what? It's at surefirefitness. You're very original with your Twitter and your Instagram. (laughs) Consistency is good and I'm guessing consistency works very well in terms of getting moving as well.
7: Of course. This is kind of the time of year where lots of people like to hit the restart button, so to speak. You were mentioning wanting to get back in motion yourself. So, uh, yeah, just starting small, picking one thing, and getting back into the groove.
0: Do we do we tend to kind of make this great big giant list of things that we're going to do? I'm going to start eating better, I'm going to start getting in motion, I'm going to go to bed at a proper time and do this, 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 and this.
7: Yeah, of course, people have uh, this long list of things that they want to improve. In December, everything falls by the wayside, so they want to definitely start fresh with four or five big things that they want to try and do in January. And that's not necessarily the best way to go.
0: So what is the best way to go? (laughs) You just mentioned uh, the idea of picking one thing, but Mm -hmm. is starting fresh on a Monday or at the beginning of the the year, is there a psychological benefit to that? Is that a way that we uh, give ourselves permission to press pause on these things? What's your take on the whole, you know, Monday starting fresh or the first of the month or New Year's resolutions? What's your take on
1: that stuff?
7: Yes, there's definitely a psychological effect where we kind of, let ourselves go until that time, which isn't necessarily (laughs) a good thing. Um, And I wouldn't say that I'm against New Year's resolutions per se, because if somebody's looking to kind of hit the start button or get that fresh start, then that's a great thing. But I guess I would encourage people to hit that start button anytime they need it, Mm -hmm. not necessarily on a Monday or on New Year's or whenever the time is right, because the time will never be 100% right
0: for some people they seem to see Monday as being the, the right thing but I, I like your next piece of advice with regards to uh, choosing a habit versus the outcome. Explain that a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
7: a lot of times people think, you know, especially this time of year with the New Year's resolutions and stuff that they should find a goal, uh, an outcome goal. So losing 10 pounds for instance or fitting into a certain size of clothing but the reality is that we don't actually have control over those things but we do have control over our behaviors so rather than focusing on that Outcome: Choosing a habit or a behavior that you can start to incorporate into your lifestyle, whether it be go to the gym three times a week or walk every day for 20 minutes, something that you can control that you can add into your day or into your weekly routine or whatnot, to eventually lead you to that goal.
0: Now we talk about the idea of you know what gets measured gets done, and 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 you have to have a goal. But I never ever hear Blake Wheeler say you know in his pre-game interview that yeah, well our our we're going out to win the game tonight. He talks about how, what they're going to do within the strategy. Of course. To, in order to have a positive outcome. Very exactly. seldom will he say we're going out to win the game. We're going out, we're going to stick to our game plan. We're going to do certain things. And essentially what he's saying is the outcome will take care of itself.
7: That is exactly what I'm talking about. And Blake Wheeler and all sports figures definitely have that sports psychology kind of training behind them where they know that they can't actually control the outcome of the game, but What they can do is control their pregame routine. They can control the training that they put behind their game uh, and all the other things that they can do habitually to create the best environment to get that outcome.
0: You know, I I always had when I I was in my fitter days, uh, if I was in a situation where I was going to the gym, even on days when I didn't feel like working out, I always made sure I at least went to the gym. I at least went. Yeah. And sometimes that would turn into maybe 10 or 15 minutes versus the 45 or 60 that I would normally do. Yeah. But I would never not physically go
7: yeah that's super important so not every day is going to be a home run where you're going to feel like doing everything not everybody feels like going to work every day not everybody feels like getting up at whatever time they need to get up but you just do it and if it's a particular day that you don't feel like being active for whatever reason then i do encourage people to do something even if it's just like you said five or ten minutes and that usually builds or lends itself to more if you're going to make the effort to do the five or ten minutes Usually you'll do a little bit more than that. It may not be your best workout ever. It may not be what you would normally do on a good day, but it's more than doing nothing.
0: Well, it's easy to break a, a, and create a bad habit than to create a good one, right? Yeah. And so you don't you don't want to <laughs> let those bad habits creep in. And going back to the professional athlete analogy, right? Uh, bad habits, there's a reason why coaches take teams back to the basics yeah. when they're on a losing streak, right? Yeah, all
7: about the fundamentals, for sure, and building that consistency. That being said, if you do fall off the wagon and you miss a day, that doesn't mean that everything needs to fall apart. You miss a day and you can get right back on the wagon the next day.
0: Now, not all of us, most of us are not on a professional sport team of any sort. Uh, some of us are an amateur team, certainly, uh, or recreational teams. Of but course. there is uh, one way to build success is to make yourself part of a team, to train with a buddy or to to get into a a workout group.
7: Yeah, research suggests for sure that motivation and even results in terms of training will be more sustained if you do have a workout buddy. Some people prefer to work out on their own and that's fine, but whether it's a training partner or just an accountability buddy where it's somebody that you text saying, okay, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to go do my workout now, I'll check in with you after, or joining a team sport and having that more um, team environment with the social aspect, that's encouraging for a lot of people as well.
0: Now, I'm going to be working out at the refit center. Yeah. And so the, the refit has this, uh, I would say, uh, undeserved reputation of being where, you know, only older people go, right? That that's where you go uh, to recuperate from a heart attack, which is why it was created. Of course. However, <laughs> if you go there now, uh, I a shameless plug here for the refit, they have the very best of all the equipment you could possibly want. They have a big indoor track. I mean, there's really zero excuse.
7: It is a great facility, you know, for sure. You know, not
0: to get moving if if you're a member there yeah. and to get going. But I'm also going to be, you know, being part of a 90 day challenge. Yeah. So there are going to be people trying to hold me accountable on days when I'm not prepared uh, necessary to hold myself accountable. So I think that's going to be a healthy thing.
7: Yeah. And that does help a lot of people. A lot of gyms this time of year will have a, a kind of a challenge where you do need to check in every day or however many times. And you, you put a sticker on the wall saying you came in and did your workout or you give yourself a checkmark or whatever it is. And it seems simple, but it is motivating to create that consistent.
0: Uh, now, this sounds reasonable. It sounds like something that we might uh, do otherwise. But keeping things simple and manageable, we've sort of touched on. But what about building on your successes? How, how, do, you, how do you take advantage of doing something well, not only maximizing a positive workout or a positive uh, group of workouts? How do you build on success?
7: Well, success tends to build on itself. So that's why kind of the point on keeping things small is you want to choose something that is manageable and that pretty much guarantees that you'll be successful. So, for instance, if you say you're going to go to the gym, you've never been to the gym before, and all of a sudden you're going to go to the gym seven days a week for the next eight weeks – that might be a big jump and you may not be able to be consistent with with that and therefore not successful. But if you chose to go to the gym for 20 minutes three times a week and you started with that for maybe – one or two weeks and then you built on that and maybe from three times a week it became 30 minutes or four times a week and then gradually it just becomes habitual and then the success kind of takes care of itself.
0: So we've mentioned a lot about the idea of going out to a gym and joining a workup program outside of the home, uh, picking up the phone, dialing that 1-800 number and ordering the uh, magic elliptical trainer, the magic, whatever the latest uh, device or, or apparatus of the day is, just because it shows up at your house doesn't mean, A, you're going to know how to put it together. And once you put it up, and, and put it together, how do you prevent it from becoming a, a clothes, clothes rack?
9: rack? <laughs> yeah, so I've let,
0: seen let's, that a few let, times. Let, let, let's, let's pretend we, want, we, want to, uh, we don't have the time, yeah. plain and simply, to go and make another stop somewhere. How do, yeah. we, how do we successfully a do that at home? A
7: lot of people prefer just to work out at home or they don't have that time in their day to go to a gym or they prefer not working out in a gym. And that's totally fine. People need to remember that all you need is your body for a workout. So if you do want to order a piece of equipment, that's great. But with a little bit of space and yourself, you can actually get a really good workout in. And the same thing, just building that consistency. So one small step and then building on it. Start small. Keep it manageable.
0: And I know you work with a lot of people in their homes. How can people get in touch with you before we we'll let you go, Catherine?
7: Surefirefitness.ca.
0: Just that simple. Catherine McKenzie, Happy New Year. Thanks you for too. this. Thank we'll you too. Thank you. We'll see you out there. You bet. Good or, luck. Or, or in there, <laughs> as the case may be. Buying the glass, Jerry. Greg Mackling. No Brett McGarry today. Shadow Davis is here. Later on this morning, I guess we're in our last hour here, we're going to talk about those new mortgage rules which came into effect yesterday. You may be having to deal with them today. And if not today, at some point this year, we'll tell you how those may affect you. And we're also going to talk about a YouTuber, as my kids call it, uh, yeah, this, that, this is a profession now, being on YouTube and producing uh, ridiculous videos. I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't judge. Uh, a YouTuber, in fact, one of the most famous YouTubers on the planet, is in some hot water today based on his last video blog. We'll tell you about that in about 10 minutes time. But in the meantime, we will tell you about something that I suspect... You've maybe never heard about. We all know the importance of giving blood and how it can save lives. But did you realize that it's not just humans that rely on donated blood? Your pet might be in need of blood one day. And that's why the Canadian Animal Blood Bank has set up donor clinics for healthy volunteer pets. To tell us more, we're joined by Beth Knight. She's lab director for the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. Thanks for doing uh, this with us this morning. We appreciate it. And wow, bringing this to our attention, I'm a pet owner. I have a little shih tzu who maybe I don't know how much blood she has in in her little tiny little body. But if something happened to her where she suffered a severe cut or she had some other serious medical situation where she required to a donation or a transfusion, I would hope that those resources would be in place. And thanks to you, they are. So tell us about your organization.
9: Absolutely. It, it's been wonderful to be located and founded here in Winnipeg. So your pet is very fortunate in that we'll never have to worry about finding a suitable donor.
0: So this is a Winnipeg-based uh, organization. Win-
9: Winnipeg-based. We supply blood products nationally across Canada. Uh, we have satellite collection locations in other provinces, but we are primary collectors and distributors for all things canine blood products.
0: Now, how long have you been doing this, and how is it possible that we have never heard of you before?
9: Well, you're very fortunate if you didn't know about us because that means your pet never required blood products.
0: Really good point.
9: Yeah, but uh, maybe you've heard about us because your veterinarian may have approached you and said, you've got an awesome dog and you're an awesome owner. And would you be interested in having your pet be a blood donor?
0: Now I'm guessing Abby wouldn't be, wouldn't qualify. She's probably too small at 13 pounds.
9: At 13 pounds, she's far too small.
0: How big of a dog, uh, typically are a dog owner or dog parents would be approached (laughs) to, uh, have their canine involved in this.
9: To be involved, the dogs need to be over 55 pounds. Um, Sometimes they overshoot and look for 155 pounds, and those are challenged donors. But uh, usually they're about 80, 90 pounds are all the donors. Uh, They need to be between one and eight years of age to start donating. Uh, Good health, up-to-date on vaccinations, recommended by their veterinarian because If there is a subclinical situation, a heart murmur or maybe your dog is requiring additional things and we don't want to aggravate their medical situation, they would be deferred as being a suitable donor. But otherwise, if they're happy, healthy and don't mind being around some people very intimately close to them for about 5-10 minutes, they'll probably be recommended by their veterinarian.
0: So, so this is where the process most often starts, right? It's not initiated by me as a pet owner. You, the veterinarians are, are a part of your network and, and will say, hey, you've got a, a perfect dog for this. Would you kindly consider allowing us to uh, enter your dog into this program?
9: Absolutely. And yet, having said that, we have several owners I call them donor owners who have been approached by other donor owners because they'll be at an off-leash dog park or doing activities, whether it be at St. John's Ambulance or um, clinical uh, therapy dogs. They're often the right temperament Mm. and awesome dogs to be. Willing to help.
0: And, and obviously, owners to match, right? Absolutely. Who have that sort of uh, idea of community. That and that volunteer spirit. So, I have to ask you this uh, do dogs have different blood types?
9: Yes, they do. Oh, Okay. Yes, How many
0: do they have?
9: Well, humans, we have, we only know about the ABO that we sort of talk about. Mm-hmm. Some people know about the RH, but there are hundreds of other blood types that we all are as well but nobody talks about them and the same thing with dogs okay. there are 13 that have been identified
0: 13
9: 13 we oh. only I, we only test for one of the markers and when we relate it back to saying they're like a type O or a type A
0: which which you can donate those those people those humans can give and their blood is sort of interchangeable right
9: exactly oh, so that- for the dogs we have this blood type that again Some dogs are able to donate to lots of dogs and others can only receive from other dogs.
0: Okay, so now we know about the human blood donor clinics where you come and donate. Uh, So let's pretend that my veterinarian has approached me and I've agreed to participate in this. And I think, yeah, that's a great idea. Does that happen at the vet's office or do I have to take my pup somewhere else?
9: Uh, combination. You might be surprised, depending on your veterinarian clinic that you go to, they might actually host uh, clinics. And there are several in the city of Winnipeg, but we do go out to Brandon, Selkirk. We go to Steinbach. We're going to Morden and Winkler in the next week. So you never know where we might show up. Um, Some of the dogs are very outdoorsy dogs and in the middle of summer have seen some skunks and things, or mud puddles, and are often very aromatic and a bit damp. They have a little bit more
0: character than you'd like.
9: Absolutely, and yet others come from the groomers. They have an entire day set out where they donate, but they might have been to the groomers, and then they've also done their uh, so they get community to community service. They do their well. community
0: service. They get to go to the spa. It's a, just a fantastic exactly. day. And
9: then end the day at the vet clinic.
0: Fantastic. Beth, we've got to wrap things up. How can people uh, learn more about this, uh, uh, this organization? That, as I mentioned, i never knew existed until about four and a half hours ago.
9: <laughs> uh, find us on Facebook. We're at Dogs Donate. Um, CanadianAnimalBloodBank.ca is our website. Um, poke around, look for us, talk to your vet, talk to your vet, especially here in Winnipeg. They are more than happy to, uh, find out more about how you can help others.
0: Well, one more time, another example of how Manitobans lead the country in generosity. Beth, thank you for this.
9: Thank you for having me.
0: Greg Mackling. Uh, without Brett McGarry. Brett will be back tomorrow. American V blogger Logan Paul has apologized after getting slammed for a video he shared on YouTube that appeared to show a body hanging in a Japanese forest that is famous As a suicide spot. He posted an apology on his Twitter feed Tuesday or earlier today saying, where do I begin? Let's start with this. I'm sorry. Uh, When we uh, hear about faux pas like this with regard to social media, we call on social media strategist Susie Urgevec-Parker. And Susie joins us now. She's from Sparker Strategy Group to get her take on on something that, you know, good morning, Susie. Good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm fine. You know, I'm bothered by what what, uh, this uh, Logan Paul has done online, of course. Uh, They've been, you know, ruminating with me all morning and and knew that we were trying to reach out to you here. Uh, Well, just Uh maybe, you know, the the incident itself, maybe if we can just set it aside for 45 seconds here. But the idea of sometimes what you like most about a person their uh, easygoingness, their certain style, the way they go about things, uh, their lack of a filter, I think is something that probably has elevated logo, Logan Paul to the stature that he has on mm-hmm. social media. But it ultimately, as like any other relationship, it, it tends to be the thing you end up liking least about a person.
6: Right. Sometimes too much is just too much.
0: Right and so how far how far crossed the line did did logan paul go with this uh, video yesterday
6: well i think i think the line has definitely been crossed um in this case but we have to remember that when it comes to internet fame and people who have come about from internet fame i don't know if they know where the line is because they keep moving the line because that's their job this is this guy is a originally a vine star really and a Vine was a social network that um, was based on seven-second videos that you could loop around again and again. And he created his fan base through that with goofy videos of people, you know, attempting weird uh, trick shots and, you know, kind of spoof uh, videos. And um, they usually resulted in somebody getting hurt, but it was the kind of hurt that you would see on, say, like a jackass show or something like that, that sort of thing taken to the Internet. Um, and so he has 15 million subscribers on YouTube, three and a half million subscribers on Twitter, um, verified accounts, monetized accounts, and a legion of fans who are underage, really, who are, say, 16 and under. So his audience and the responsibility to that audience has clearly been forgotten.
9: Well,
0: I mean, I, I saw an item on him, uh, on the influencers, if I'm not mistaken, on CBS, uh, where they, they he had this pop-up shop in New York, and there were hundreds of people lined up to buy merchandise from this guy. Like, his reach, exactly. like, if you have kids, ask your kids if they know who this guy is. They will know him for sure. Oh.
6: Yeah, so you have kids as well. And yes, my kids do know him. They know, they're not subscribed to his channel or anything like that, but they know of him and they know what he does kind of thing. And and his brother as well, who's also infamous um, in the YouTube and, and Internet realm. And uh, they're not famous for good things per se, but they're more famous for their controversy, it seems. And um, one of the things that I'm seeing online in terms of the feedback, his apology is that A, it was not enough, and B, there are YouTubers who have been demonetized or taken offline for much less. And yet this video was still up there as of 12 hours ago in the trending section, and YouTube needs to answer for that as well.
0: I think that's the biggest concern I have, is the fact that this video has been allowed to stay where it was allowed to stay for so long.
6: Right. Right. And you know the thing with the Internet, and I tell my kids this all the time, is that the reason why I need to know what you're seeing on there is because you can't unsee certain things. Mm -hmm. And to a child's uh, sensitive um, emotional growth, um, we don't want our kids to see things that they don't know how to understand or how to interpret or how to um, distance themselves from. A lot of kids internalize these things that they see, and it's dangerous and can have long-term effects.
0: Well, Obviously. just just one more highlight, one more reason to be aware of what your kids are looking at online. Don't use uh, your inability to navigate these things on your own uh, to stop you from knowing what your kids are doing. Susie, we got to let it go there. We'll we'll talk soon. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Susie Urzivac Parker, Sparker Strategy Group, joining us this morning. Tougher mortgage rules uh, come into effect. For uh, new home buyers, they are well. Home buyers, you don't have to be buying a new home new to you, I suppose. Insured or uninsured mortgages? Let's start that again. Uninsured mortgages will now be stress tested to a higher interest rate to help us understand how this will affect the finances of future home buyers and those who are renewing their mortgage. We are joined by Glenn Melnick, who is a financial consultant with Invest Investors Group. Glenn, nice to connect with you, sir.
10: You betcha. Happy New Year, Greg. Happy
0: New Year to you. So, Glenn, uh, getting conflicting reports about whether this affects uh, those that are renewing their mortgages or that uh, those are just applying for new mortgages. Can you clarify that for us right off yeah, the top?
10: Yeah, this will be right off the top. That is for, uh, re, uh, for new mortgages. So, renewing your mortgage, um, if you're renewing your mortgage with your current uh, provider, you won't have to go through the stress test. But if you are changing providers, you would have to go through the stress test.
0: Okay, so it could affect you if you're renewing, only if you're changing financial institutions, however. That's correct. Okay, so we've got that out of the way. Let's talk about why these rules were brought in place. Have you got a theory behind this? I know everybody uh, has a theory on this. What's yours?
10: You know, it's interesting. I mean, this is the seventh tweak since about that Ottawa's done since 2008 on mortgages, and it's sort of been tightening the screws a little bit as we go along. And, you know, sometimes we pay for the sins here in a city like Winnipeg from cities like uh, Toronto and Vancouver, you know, and now Montreal. So this one, what makes this one a little different is that it's now targeting, uh, you talked about uninsured insured in the in, 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 in intro there. What this is doing now is targeting the ones that have the 20% down. So they've always sort of been left alone. I should say, you know, stress tests, any reputable lender has been doing a stress test anyways. Mm-hmm. You never want to get someone into a, into, a, into a home that they can't afford and are house poor, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, why, and this is why we do mortgages and I do mortgages in my practice, because we try to tie it to the whole financial plan. <clears throat> it is a sort of a living, breathing document. In a mortgage, a lot of people just think a mortgage is like, you know, five years, set it, forget it, and I'll deal with it in five years. And it really isn't. It's a living, breathing document that sort of changes as you go along in half a decade. So that's why we try to tie it to a financial plan. And that's what I'm going to stress to people now is just, you know, work with someone and tie this mortgage to your financial plan because as the screws get tightened, it, you have to have more strategies and tactics to to support this.
0: Well, you know, and I think what's frustrating for me, Glenn, and, and if you can't get in on the opinion side, I understand based on on your role here, but uh, mm-hmm. to your, to the best of your ability, we had a text message here and went back and forth with this texter and uh, listener, and, and I agreed, like, you know, this is a situation that feels to me as though, you know, those buying 1.2, 1.5, to $3 million homes in Vancouver, in Montreal, in Toronto, aren't going to be worrying about these rules, but those of us that might be looking to get into a four or five or six hundred thousand dollar home, which is quickly becoming, uh, you know, not uncommon in yeah, our yeah, marketplace, yeah, are going to be the ones that pay the price for these new rules. And I, I think you sort of touched on it at the beginning.
10: That's what I said. You know, we're sort of getting, we're sort of paying for the sins of of these other markets, and. Yeah, opinions. Yes, my opinion is yes. These 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 are definitely tightening, and I think it is affecting. I'll put it in perspective for me. I mean, for based on my business in 2017, this would affect 9.5 to 10 percent of the loan submissions that we got last year. So that's significant. That's another 10 percent of people that can't buy homes. To put that even, you know, you just touched on. You just said. I think you just mentioned the number 400,000. So mm-hmm. um, I did some math on a $400,000 mortgage. Based at a, a rate of you know three point three nine percent, you'd have to qualify as of to, as of yesterday, not just today. It's the second. As of yesterday, you would have to get one thousand three hundred eighty one dollars of monthly income, to, you know to do that. What you didn't have to do in uh, in December. So that's sixteen thousand five hundred seventy two bucks of uh, extra income that you need to qualify under. That's extra four hundred thousand more. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is, is.
10: So that's a you know I, that's sort of a just a real life example there based on a $400,000 mortgage. But yeah, that affects 10% of submissions that we would have gotten in 2017. So again, I think now, you know, mortgages, were always like, oh, I'm just gonna get a mortgage. I think now it's really important to work with people, to work in an advisor, whoever that's gonna be for you, just work with someone, get some advice, because there are strategies and tactics to back all this stuff up.
0: Well, and is, is that maybe the good news out of this, Glenn, that it may be cause for pause? It may be uh, the opportunity that more of us need to take advantage of to just kind of sit down and re-examine where we are in terms of our financial obligations. Because this cheap money hasn't been uh, good for everyone.
10: Fair to say? Cheap money, absolutely. Cheap money, that's the key there. And there's such a thing as good debt and bad debt. And, you know, I've always viewed house debt as, as good debt because it's a... Uh, it's an, you know, it's equity in a home. It's uh, an asset that keeps growing, etc., cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, we've got this access to cash that we never had. And, you know, back in the, in the 70s and 80s when, you know, uh, our parents were buying houses and everything else at 17 16 17% interest rates, all your money went to a home. It didn't go to investing and all these other things. Now, all of a sudden, and, you know, I'm not picking on millennials or anything like that, but now all of a sudden there's no such thing as starter homes anymore. It just seems like everybody wants to go to the – well, I like that house, let's go to the $500,000 house. And there's never sort of like the starter home and then, you know, getting some equity in that home and moving along. So I think this is going to force that back a little bit now that people might start looking at, well, maybe I can't afford that big home right now, but let's get into the home ownership game anyways, and start with a starter home and fix it up and do things. This sort of, the pendulum seems to seem, sort of seems to swing back and forth. And I think it's, it's swung out now and starting to come back
0: well you know and quite often we wait until RSP season to sit down and examine where we are and a lot of people leave it till February 28th at nine o'clock at night hoping that someone will answer the phone before midnight yep. and uh, we're all guilty of that so maybe this is that genuine opportunity to re-examine where we're at and and to maybe make some better decisions what's your what's your uh, what's your pitch on that before I let you go?
10: You know what? Absolutely. Um, You know, having a plan, we always see, you know, people don't don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan. And it just always helps to have another set of eyeballs on a plan. Mm. And again, you can do, we never tell anybody what their goals are. I mean, you tell us what your goals are, we just sort of help make a map for you and keep you accountable to those goals based on what you want to achieve. But there's so many things. I'll tell you a quick story from this past year. Uh, young fella, you know, 28, um, came to see me bought a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, what we did, we were able to take some of his money, uh, put it into an RSP, so he got his RSP rebate, his, his his loan back, uh, and then later on he was able to take that money out and then uh, and get a mortgage. So through the Home Buyer's Plan. So there was things like that. He had to keep it in there for 90 days, but there there's some things that he had a high enough income that he was able to get the RSP, uh, you know, tax refund. And there's just things like this. He's like, we can do this. And it's like, absolutely, we can do this. And people just aren't aware of some of the, the strategies and tactics that are out there. So so working with someone and tying it to a financial plan is a really big thing, I think, as opposed to you know, kind of setting it, forget it, and I'll deal with my mortgage in five years. It's the biggest, uh, I always... It's one of the biggest assets you're ever going to buy. So you should probably get some professional advice on it.
0: Yeah, so many of us are sitting at the desk with our fingers crossed underneath the table waiting for your uh, for your bank person or your loans officer to come back and say, yeah, you've been approved. And then that's the last you think of it. And well, that's, so- yeah,
10: that's the last you think of it. And a lot of times, you know, there's all the, the land transfer tax. There's all these other things you need to think about. What are you going to put in your home? What are you going to do? So maybe, you know, a lot of times I talk people down from, well, here's all the other expenses you're going to have. Oh, I didn't know. I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. So we sort of sort of talk them down to sort of say, here, here's what you can afford. And doing a stress test, we do that all the time. Like I said, we, you know, being a reputable lender, we've done that all over, the, you know, for years and years. Now our hands are getting forced a little bit more with this, with this new regulations. But yeah, it's just very important to sort of get another set of eyeballs on this and go, here's what you know, here's all the other costs that you're going to incur as you go along the home buying route. And are you sure you wanna do this? And you wanna save for the future, you wanna do this, you wanna do this, you still wanna have a life, you don't wanna just be house poor. So there's a lot that goes into it and just sort of we ask questions and again, uh it's it's all up to the individual, but we definitely will shed some light on uh, some of the questions that they have.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a conversation we had about uh, getting uh, out of shape, as I like to, to call it, you <laughs> know, like getting back uh, into uh, a frame of mind where we're getting active and it's the same sort of uh, financial health is not different from our own personal health, Glenn.
10: Well, you know what, financial health is, you know, we I, I just did a health and wealth uh, seminar just before Christmas to a construction company to about 100 people and it was, same sort of thing that they go hand in hand because with uh, the days we're in now with you know people get stressed out about money Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like i have people a lot of times say you know if i i don't want to talk about it it stresses me out it's like well (laughs) that's exactly why we should talk about it because if we just don't deal with it it's just the problem is going to be the problem but if we can look at this and find some strategies and tactics to back up things we can we can mitigate these problems we can solve these problems but if we just sort of ignore it it's never going to go away just like you said with health it's like yep You need to go for the walk. You just can't think about it. You actually need to act on it.
0: Glenn, sound advice there. We'll wrap it up on that. Uh, Best in 2018. Look forward to talking to you again uh, later on in the year.
10: Absolutely, Greg. Best to you and and everyone there as well. Thanks, Thanks, Glenn. Glenn
0: Melnick. He is a financial consultant with Investors Group. Behind the Glass, Jerry, see you tomorrow at 6, my friend. Have a great day, folks. Uh, Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling tomorrow at 6 o'clock till 10. It's Shadow Davis Show.